Lord, I thank you that we can come into your presence. I thank you for being here with us and just um, resting upon us, Lord, and within us. I just pray an increase of that, Lord, that you would rest, that we would feel your rest within us, Lord. Your word says that we're complete in you, Jesus, that we have everything we need. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come and just rest. We enter into that. We just hold on to our peace that you gave us. Just put aside all the distractions of the week, the good, bad, the challenges, the busyness, Lord, to just rest in you right now. Thank you, angels, for being present with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It would be fair to say that uh, we love Christmas. Christmas is probably my favourite time of the year. We um, we start as soon as Chantelle has her birthday on the 12th of November. The tree goes up the next day and uh, it would probably go up earlier if she didn't protest. But uh, we let her have her birthday and then we put the tree up. Um, and uh, we have the lights, we have the fruit mince pies, we have the apple cider, we have the Christmas carols. Philip's saying there's not enough fruit mince pies, but I'm rationing them. Um, and all those things. No, no, I'm keeping them away from me. <laughs> We're on a mission. Um, but it's, it's, we love Christmas. I love the lights. We went out light looking and we probably will go out another three or four times. And uh, who loves Christmas? I know Fleur loves Christmas over there. You play Christmas carols all year. Do you still do that? Yes. <laughs> A little bit less, Andy. Um, yeah, so we love Christmas and uh, we were out looking at the lights um, the other night and, and just, you know, it's, it's just, it's a time to rejoice and it's, and it's a time where we remember and we reflect and we give thanks and all those things. And, uh, but I actually was struck with the thought as we were driving around of what would the world be like if Jesus had never come? And that's actually what I want to talk about this morning and just... That the difference that he has actually made. But I want us to just think for a moment, what would your world and the world around you look like if Jesus had never come? Mm. I don't know if I'd really want to be around, but, <laughs> um, you know, if we'd never had that first Christmas, if we never had the stockings out on Christmas Eve, if we never had the celebrations, if we never had the Christmas trees or the carols or the wreaths or the churches or the church services that are special at Christmas time, if we had no reason to celebrate, no books in the library about Jesus, no holiday, no comfort for the lonely, the dying, no answers for the seeker, no promises, no good news of the gospel, no freedom, no consolation, no hope of heaven. It would be a really different world if Jesus had not come. Um, and it's easy and all our preparations and all the busyness of this time of the year to actually forget sometimes. We get, you know, yes, Jesus, yeah, but we can actually forget on a day-to-day level that Jesus actually has come. And we forget what it's all about and f- about who it's all about and uh, how important to the world and to each one of us individually Jesus being born actually is and was and is and is to come. We can forget the event. And sadly, sometimes we can even all behave and live like he never did. We get caught up. We forget to forgive. We don't spend time. We neglect reading his word. We kind of come in line sometimes with the way the world thinks instead of how God thinks. 
We lose sight of Jesus and amongst all the busyness of our life. And we can sometimes live like Jesus didn't come. And today I want us to really consider how our lives and the world would have been if he hadn't come and also what a difference it has made. So I want to talk to you for a moment about what the world was like before he did come. It was a fairly brutal place. There was gladiators fought to the death and they had little regard for life. Everyday people didn't seem to mind seeing people flogged to death, hung on crosses, burnt or whatever else humanity could think up to do to one another. That was the characteristic of the time before Jesus came to the world. The concept of sanctity of life is a spiritual concept. The word sanctity comes from the Latin word sanctus, which means holy or sacred to God. That which God has declared is of great value. It's when Jesus came that people understood the sanctity of life. Before that, life was cheap. When Jesus came... He added value, especially to women, to children and to the elderly. Prior to Jesus being born, infants are tired was, or killing children, child killing was common practice. You would find regularly in the morning on the rubbish dumps newborn babies that had been left out to die by their own mothers. That was a common thing in, in the ancient world. But Christianity actually ended that. And Christianity, when Jesus came and his followers after he went back to heaven, they are the ones that stopped the gladiator fights. You know, and if you've ever been to the Colosseum and saw it, you see that there is a monument to what mankind can do to one another. But it was through Jesus coming that those things were stopped. The world before him was pretty brutal. Over time, the practice of killing one's children was outroared until modern abortion happened to come in. In our world, we take our value on human life for granted. We are shocked and outraged when we see in the news or Facebook human atrocities and brutality by people to one another. We react because in our society, we've had a regard for human life embedded in our culture for centuries. We actually just know that there is a value to human life. But that came from Jesus coming to the world. Before that, it was not there. But had Jesus never been born, it would have been a far different story. The morality of any society can easily be judged by the view it holds on human life. Remove the influence of Jesus in the world and you'll quickly see how cheap life is. And if you look at parts of the world where Jesus is not the one who is followed, you can see the value that is put on human life is quite different. Jesus increased the value of human life by elevating the value of woman. Mistreatment of women was common around the world. And if you looked in India, um, the, the custom of widow burning was thousands of young women, some 13, 14 years of old age. They would be married to older men in their 50s and 60s. And when they died, they would be expected to throw themselves alive on the, on the funeral pier where it was being burnt up. And that was commonplace. It was Jesus' followers who stopped that happening. They, they kicked up the stuff to stink and they lobbied against it that in the 1830s it actually was outlawed. And there's thousands of young women who are alive because Jesus came and because his followers said there is value. A Hindu, Hindu woman once said to a missionary, surely your Bible was written by a woman. Why, he asked, because it says so many kind things for women. Before the spread of Christianity, there was no organised charitable effort at large in the world. 
The example and teachings of Jesus changed the way the world reacted to those in need, especially the poor and the widows and the orphaned. Now the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 21, He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. It was because of Jesus coming and his followers taking hold of his teachings, just like we seek to do, that changed the way society operated. Hospitals as we know it were started by followers of Jesus. They gave rise to nursing care and such things as the Red Cross were started by evangelical Christians. The phenomenon of education for everyone has its roots and followers of Jesus. They wanted everybody to be able to read and write and, be able to, and to be able to follow his teachings. So they started. The first Sunday schools were first um, started to be able to teach the children how to read the Bible. Then schools started from there. The first universities were started by Christians. That, you know, you've got Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Yale, Princeton and all those others that are famous when you see them on the movies. Who were they started by? Followers of Jesus. Even though some now, they don't take kindly to talking about Jesus in their institutions of education, but they were started by Christians. Some think that Christianity and science are opposites and have nothing to do with each other, but science, theology and history are not three distinct branches of knowledge, but simply three different ways in which to view the reality around us. Some of the greatest pioneers of science were committed Christians. Antiseptic surgery... Bacteriology, Louis Pasteur, Isaac Newton, they are all Christians. They are all followers of Jesus. I'm going to touch on this one because I thought about it, but Jesus actually changed the way that people looked at um, sexuality. You know, in the ancient world, it was quite common and just normal practice for older men to take young boys and have sexual relations with them. It was normal for there to be um, temple prostitutes and mass sexual orgies and all of those things. It was the followers of Jesus that, you know, do to others as you would do, to, you know, unto yourself. You know, what does it do to others as you would have do unto others? That they were like, people started to think twice about what they were doing. And, and they put a value on, on one another and also that Jesus put a value on the marriage and the relationship between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. And so it was, it was those things that started to change that and that concept of this is what, this is, what is pure and lovely and, and valuing to one another. The whole concept of homosexuality is talked about in the Bible and it was one whereas that's not God's best for you. It's quite clear in God's word. And if there is ramifications when society just lets those things into it. When the followers of Jesus started to spread their message about having value and God's love and that you're precious in his sight, people started to think differently about their sexuality and about a marriage relationship and they valued it. You know, if you look at statistics now, you know, most men, it was American statistic, live to their mid to late 70s. A gay man lives to his 43 on average. It's not God's best. And so it's like it's, it, the followers of Jesus brought in the understanding way back in the ancient world where it was common practice for there to be homosexuality and pedophilia and all those things that it wasn't God's best. It kind of is a bit of a wake-up call to us of what we're allowing to come back in to society when so much work got done back there and, and people were passionate and loving you know, the first orphanage was started by Christians who, when the children were left out on the street, you know, if an elderly person wasn't able to work, they were left out on the street. 
It was, it was followers of Christ who brought them into their very homes. Now, Mother Teresa, on her very last speech, she was being given the Nobel Peace Prize, and she changed her speech at the last minute, and she said, if you don't want your child and you're about to abort them, bring them to me. Give them to me and I'll raise them. Sometimes, you know, we think, oh, somebody else can do it. But the followers of Jesus, when he first was born and he walked the earth and he, and he taught and all, all that happened in the early church is they said, bring them to me. If they saw someone in the street, they said, I'll help them. They didn't expect, you know, we've become so institutionalized of somebody else will do it. The government will take care of it. And we forget that actually the teachings of Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You go into all the world. And it's not that we just preach the gospel and, and, you know, the preachers do it. It's actually preaching the gospel is an action. It's showing compassion and love. And as I read this and I studied out, you know, there's actually a book called um, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And I was listening to the YouTube video of all the different scholars that are written in that book. And I was, I got a check. I thought we actually, as followers of Christ now, need to lift our game because there's so many things that they broke through and the changes in society for good where the ancient world was so brutal and, and had such a lack of regard for human life and children and women. And, you know, just if you're old or you couldn't do anything, why just chuck you out on the street? And they changed the world for the better. But it's our call now. It's our time now. And I, as I looked at the change of society, I was like, whoa. We actually, some things have just come in, you know. Where, the, where God made it, Jesus, he taught a valuable woman. Your Mary came and sat. Mary and Martha, Martha was busy in the kitchen getting the food ready and, and she chastised Mary for wanting to sit at Jesus' feet. You know, she got to choose and, and Jesus valued her. And it's like the enemies come in and that value that women have a choice has been turned around now is it's all about us. And if you've got something that you don't want, then just get rid of it. Well, how is that different from back in the ancient world where they would throw their babies on the rubbish dump? You know, we say, oh, well, it's free love. Came back in the 70s, was it? You know, free love, sex, drugs and rock and roll, you know. And it became, that's our choice, it's freedom. But you see, Christ came to bring us and set us free. And see how the enemy works? He just twists it. And so little bit by little bit by little bit, all this stuff has come into our society. And when you look at it, you go, hang on a minute. How is that different to before when Jesus came? And I got a bit of a you know, chastised. I was like, we need to stand up a little bit more. We need to put love into action. When we see somebody struggling on the side of the road, not to expect somebody else to just you know, have a helping hand for them. What about your hands? What about our hands? When we hear that someone can't, you know, put food on the table, what is, what is our food hands doing to help? Who have we invited to Christmas dinner because they're lonely or by themselves? You know? How many children are, are in homes where they need to be fostered and they're in group homes and there's nowhere for them to go? You know, Jesus said, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news that you don't have to be lonely, sick, poor, beaten up anymore. And as I looked at the difference that Jesus made when he came, I I got a bit of a kick, really, because there's things that have come into our world in the last 20, 30 years that it's like, gee, look how the devil works. He's just sneaking them in. And we're sitting back going, oh, well, we can't offend anyone. 
We have to be seeker sensitive. And I'm all for making the gospel relevant. But if it's so relevant that it takes the power out of it, we need to stand up. We need to stand up. Sin is sin. You love the sinner, but you don't love the sin. You have compassion on those who are un- unmarried or, you know, alone mothers, but you don't love the sin. You look at slavery and abolition of it were championed by Christians such as William Wilberforce who moved by their faith, worked tirelessly all his, his life in the British Parliament to bring change. And on his deathbed, he was told that, you know, it was years, it was 25, 30 years of him just in the Parliament lobbying and gathering people around him because he was so driven with passion that nobody should be a slave, that every man, woman and child should be free. And so he lobbied in Parliament and across the whole British Empire that they would that all slaves would stop being taken from Africa and the West Indies, and that no man or woman or child should be a slave, and all slaves would be freed. And on his deathbed, finally at the end of his life, we see we're such microwave Christians. We were like, if it doesn't happen straight away, then oh well, God's not in it, or it's too hard. Come on now, we are made to do hard things. We have the power and the resurrection power of Jesus that raised the dead to life, that opened blind eyes, that unstopped deaf ears, that caused man to be pulled through a ceiling and he, and he spoke to him and said, get up your mat and walk. We have that within us. And we have been quiet and silent and wishy-washy for far too long as a body of believers. We need to stand up. You know, and Christmas time, I know you're like, oh, it's a Christmassy sermon. Well, this is a Christmassy sermon because Jesus came. He was born to make a difference. Peace to all mankind. Well, how are you at peace if you're being aborted? How are you at peace if you're struggling in homosexuality and think you're stuck like that and you're dying at half your life's life? That's not on. How are you at peace when you're in a family where you've been beaten up or you're drug, you know, you're drug abused parents and you have nowhere to go? And we're sitting in our nice little houses and there's children out there that need a home. How are we at peace? How are they at peace? When we have in our hands, in our bank accounts, in our homes, the way to be able to help bring peace. That's what the early church did. That's how they changed society. It wasn't the church, the big building, I'll come in here and we'll fix you up. It was they went out there. They met in house to house. They met in small gatherings, in hubs, and they spread across the whole world. There's power in that. You know, when we all just come together like this, it says don't neglect meeting together. It fires us up. We give you a little bit of a kick. You know, we worship and we, and we get inspired by God's word and his presence. Yes, that's important. But he also wants us to go out. You know, disciples went out two by two and they changed the world. Twelve men changed the world. Those twelve became seventy. And they changed the world. Those 70 became 120 in the upper womb and they changed the world. Think what we can do if we just got off our backsides and went, come on. We actually, this is our time. And you can't look at the news or look at the atrocities around the world and and have a whinge and, you know, look at the the crazy neighbours down the street that are having a, you know, screaming and yelling. What have you done to help? Have you got on your knees and prayed for them? Have you walked across the road and given them a casserole? You know, if you've, what what are we doing? So I'm not going to give you a nice, feel-good Christmas sermon. I'm going to give you a kick butt. Come on. 
This is our time. And when you see things slipping in, because the enemy, where good people do nothing, what happens? Sin starts to rise up. We're good people. And I know you're all good. I know you have a heart to follow Jesus, that you love him. But when good people do nothing, sin rises up. Offence rises up. Compromise rises up. And this is our time. And if you want your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren to live in a world where Jesus is not the focus, where Jesus is not even talked about, it'll go back to a world that is brutal. I read a quote. It said, one scholar said, without Jesus' influence in our society, we would not have benign neutrality, but a sinister form of secularitarianism where life would have diminished value. A life without Jesus is a focus. A life without Jesus in society where we are spreading the good news of peace on earth to all mankind is not a great place to be. We need to stand up. We need to speak up. We need to use our hands and our feet and share the love. So I want to challenge you. What is it? How Jesus came and made the world different, but what as a Christian are we doing to make the world different now? Lastly, I want to share a story. This is quite funny, but it's a little bit impacting if you think about the ramifications of it. There was a serviceman in World War II who was out in the jungle in one of the Pacific Islands when he came across an indigenous man carrying a big Bible. He pointed at the Bible and said, we don't believe in that book anymore. The man looked at him and smiled and said, well, it's a good thing for you that I do or you'd be in here by now. And he pointed at his stomach. The followers of Jesus, they went into some pretty, you know, wild places, the missionaries, and they changed the society. And if it hadn't been for them and them sharing about Jesus and him changing their whole lifestyle, their whole culture, there there would be cannibals much more than there is. So even though people say, well, I don't believe in this book anymore. Well... I would say to you, maybe it's a good thing that there is people who do believe in that book because otherwise your next-door neighbour might be wanting you for Christmas dinner. <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> yeah? You know, it's easy for people to brush this book aside and say, well, that's not relevant. But this book and the words in it are living. Jesus is in this word and it changes people and it changes lives and it changes whole society. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that that serviceman and that, you know, what happened across that man was fairly glad that he'd taken notice of that book. Yeah? So don't step back off of what this word says because this word saves people's lives. It saved that man's life. It changes, it changes whole societies. It makes a difference. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the good news. Walk across the street and deliver some chocolates or fruit mince pies. Bless people this Christmas. You know, Philip's been Santa all week or for the last month, and he just takes the time to just bless the children. He's been praying for people and, and, and just blessing, laying hands on the little ones as they come and sit. And just, you know, there's um, ones with disabilities, ones that are struggling, and he just blesses them. You do what you can where you can. Yeah? No, it's not his usual gig, but he just like, he's able to do that. Although he makes a pretty cool Santa. But uh, <laughs> it's really funny when he forgets to take his white eyebrow makeup off and he walks through the supermarket and it's like, 
they give him a few weird looks. Well, he hasn't got a Santa suit on. But, he's ta- you know, he's doing what he can with what he's doing to bless, to encourage. Now, you know, they have um, lots of different Santas in his, in his little place where he is. But the ones, the children and the ones that are struggling or might have a disability, they wait now, the elves the camera people, the elves, they wait for Philip to be on shift because they know that the little ones will come to him. You know, he had a lady come and she um, had some mental health issues and she, but she looked across the room and she said, that man, that Santa, he, he's like Jesus, isn't he? She said, just Jesus. Jesus come from heaven. She was just seeing in, in Philip dressed up as Santa. She recognised, you know, it's not that we have to be something, somebody we're not. God has made you with the gifts and the abilities and the talents and what you have in your hand to bless and to bring peace and good news this Christmas. So just take what you have. If you've only got a little, use that little. You know, you know the ten talents and you just give what you have and God will multiply it. If you're great at baking cupcakes and bake cupcakes and spread them around and spread the love, you know, if, you're, if, you, if you've, you know, got an extra t- place at the table this Christmas, invite someone. If you've got nobody and you think, oh, I'm all by myself, and then just invite as many people as you can. If you know that there's people, if you, if you can't do that, then go and visit. Go down to the nursing home and bless all the oldies down there, who some of them, they get forgotten and have no families come and see them. Yeah? Let's, let's bring peace and good news and, and just joy of this Christmas season. And, and it's our shift. It's our time to make a difference. The world is different because Jesus was born. The question to ask yourself today, and this is what I'm going to finish with, the question to ask yourself today, is the world different because you are a Christian. Is the world different because we are followers of Jesus today? And if it's not, then it's time we stood up and did something about it. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you for your word that, that inspires us, it encourages us, sometimes it corrects us, it challenges us, Lord. Lord, there's ones that have gone before us that have done an awesome job of of spreading your good news and we just want to honour those people today. We want to honour the missionaries, the William Wilberforces, the the Mother Teresas and the ones that through history, George Mueller, all those people that are known to many of us. We want to honour their lives and what they did to bring change in the world around them, that they wanted to just love and spread the good news of the gospel. But, Lord, now it's our turn. And so we ask that you forgive us where we've been complacent, where we have sought after other things, where we've let the desires of other things come in and, and crowd out the word that go into all the world. We ask you forgive us, Lord. And Holy Spirit, that you would equip us, that you would inspire us, that you would challenge us, that you'd set a fire in our hearts this morning, Lord, that we would be your hands and your feet, Jesus, that we would be Jesus in our worlds. 
and especially this Christmas time, where if we, Lord, bring to our attention, give us divine opportunities to be able to bless people, to be able to minister to the hurting, the lonely, the elderly, the children, the sick, Lord, those that just don't know the good news, Lord, I would pray that you would give us divine opportunities, divine conversations, Lord, this week, that you would bring those people into our world and that we would go, there it is, there's my chance to share about your love. Lord, shake us where we need to be shaken. Kick us up the pants where we need to be kicked, Lord. This is our time to shine. This is our time to lift up your name. I pray that you would help us to do that and to glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen.